Hi everyone, I'm Chloe and welcome to Mentors Connect. Before we get started with today's podcast episode, make sure to smash the like button, drop a subscribe, and now let's meet today's mentor. Today we have Michael Christmas on, so let's give a little round of applause. Ooh, and he's doing amazing things in a lot of different areas. So he's working in blockchain technologies and business and like climate change and supply chains. And it's really cool stuff. And as I said before, we're going to be talking to Michael today all about everything he does, his future aspirations. But as I said before, I'm not going to ramble on too much. So thank you, Michael, again so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. Good day, like you guys say in, in Australia, even though I'm I'm in Switzerland, so it's a little bit far away on the other side of the world. No, that's like cool you're in Switzerland though, which I think is amazing, but I wanted to get started. So to give everyone also a bit more insight into Michael's background, he's worked in many major worldwide companies, working in many amazing positions, CEO, COO, super cool career. And what I'm interested in, you've really taken, I've noticed, positions in leadership and in business. And my question is, were you as a young person, as a child, interested in business and being a leader one day? Yeah, I think I've always been someone with uh, a strong vision. Um, and therefore knowing where you want to go or what you want to do, you know, you kind of lead or you bring people with you. So I've been a leader, I've been a visionary, I've been pushing and I like movement and I like to build. So as a kid, I was always and pretty often the driving force. No, that's amazing. So you always took lots of, lots of initiative, as you said, were the driving force. And I'm curious is you being that type of young person, which is really amazing, would you say you had a role model or someone in your life who really inspired you to be like that, to be a driving force, to be a visionary? Yeah, I mean, I think very close to me, I had my father who was uh, sort of a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> So he started, he was raised and born in a very, very small country in the middle of nowhere in France with like 300 inhabitants and ended up, you know, driving that small. that's very small. And, uh, and he ended up, you know, uh, uh, building uh, small companies and then mid-sized companies and then running bigger companies. So I was pretty inspired by his path. Uh, on the other side, I was also a bit of a dreamer. So I was also inspired by uh business people with always of a touch uh, of, of a naughty touch so the ones that i really could relay on is um is walt disney so i think this guy was pretty inspiring to me in many ways because he was sort of a dreaming his life uh but still building a very sizable um and effective business as you can see even these years even if the guy's still not around his franchise is still living and breathing pretty hardly and from a marketing standpoint also it's a very interesting move has been done on making the most out of assets you have uh in the walt disney company from a business standpoint so there was uh there was an inspiration so a lot of people with you know business background with sort of a creative inspiration visionary arty touch was uh were always very inspiring to me so i'm guessing having a bit more insight about your background that you were always a driving force as a young person that 
you probably envisioned yourself to be a leader in as an adult in business and really driving that and being a visionary yeah um yeah i don't know to what extent i ended up uh thinking you know that i would lead teams but uh what i knew is that i wanted to build stuff so whether you do it on your own you create your own company but you can be you can be as much of a, of a builder an entrepreneur inside existing companies and i've done that several times so when i joined craft foods or when i joined nestle it was both job creation so you start on a blank sheet of paper and then you drive and you build and you recruit and then you know you influence uh sometimes you even evangelize <laughs> uh because these are lens you know that that are new or areas that are totally new to people so i like that um i like I like doing this and yeah it's probably a message to to you guys young guys that's, you know, it's, it's great to be an entrepreneur. Uh, you can do it on your own. You can also do it within a frame. Uh, and this is what artists are doing. You know, they, they are in a frame, but they are still creative within a frame. Mm. Uh, so creativity within a framework is something that I've learned from one of my mentor. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a fantastic concept because you feel that when you have a frame, you're limited, but actually you're not, you can still do a lot. No, that's really, really good advice. And I think something really important. And now I wanted to continue on. So we've talked a bit about your early childhood and being a young person. Now I wanna hear about what did you study at university to feed this, you know, desire to perhaps become an entrepreneur and be a driver for, you know, something bigger? Yeah, actually, I wanted to be a doctor, so nothing to do with everything that we've talked yeah. about. But uh, I felt, you know, that was very humane and, and you could still, uh, yeah, so I wanted to do that. So I started to that. I failed uh, miserably because I think, you know, my passion for technology on the side, having my first computer at six, uh, ended up taking it over. <laughs> and it was exactly at the time, you know, where the internet was booming and it was starting coding. And so, you know, it was not, it was not really working with, uh, with medical school and, and having to focus on something specific. So it's like, I want to do uh, on the side. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I ended up, uh, getting married with a doctor. So in a way, I, I fulfilled my dream through her, <laughs> but um, so so I didn't do that. Um, but then I went into marketing. So I, I studied math and, and science, and then moved into uh, having a master in digital marketing. Uh, and then I started to work um, and starting in the advertising industry. And then I complemented that, which I think was 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 good with uh, with with a master later on when I was an executive. So as executive uh, uh, schooling uh, at Ashesse, so one of the leading schools in in, in France and in the world, um, and that was good. That was good. I felt like uh, I would if I had continued studying too long and too old. I would have missed, you know, those early years of learning and practicing and trying and then going back maybe to studies, which I did after an executive, uh, which was tough because then, you know, you're older, your brain is not exactly structured the same way. You have a family. I had a, 
a one-year-old kid, uh, so it was tough. Uh, but uh, but I ended up, uh, you know, uh, confronting different views also in different people. So there was there was the, uh, the the scholarship, let's say, part. So I want to actually hop in a bit more. So you mentioned how you ended up deciding, like, looking more into marketing and your education. So can you tell us a bit about your experience in careers in the market? marketing space so yeah sure uh what i love doing my study in marketing is that it was digital marketing but this was 23 years ago so, uh, so times, like really so digital 23 years ago was like you know everyone thought it was a fad right everyone thought yeah you know the internet's for geeks and nerds and nothing's mm -hmm. gonna happen uh which is pretty much the same debate these days is web3 and metaverse and blockchain mm -hmm. everyone's kind of like yeah okay thank you nerds and geeks and you know mm -hmm. it's it's gonna go away but it won't <laughs> mm -hmm. um, um so so that was interesting to do that what was very interesting is that we didn't know what could happen so it was a mix of academic and then try and error and do projects and 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 work and i created my first company at that time because we were you know students and people needed to build websites and cds and dvds and things like that so we had to create a company on the side to help people do that um so we were doing a lot of things ourselves beyond the academic uh, so i would encourage people also not to do 100 percent academic but also you know try out do things on the side themselves so that was really the start of 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 that and then and then i entered uh, advertising uh and and that industry needed to leverage uh, an entire new uh, channel and an entire new universe of possibilities. It was actually a long tail, you know, before you had like three TV channels and then all of a sudden you ended up having 500 TV channels because YouTube becomes, you know, something so massive that you need to develop a sort of a long tail content in different versions and lengths and shapes and forms. And that was really, you know, a huge uh, disruption. So I really liked those 10 years in advertising because again, it was new, everything had to be built and then clients were looking at us as inventors. Um, so I really liked that. Then, then I moved into the other side. So my friends in the agency, they said, you know, you move into the dark side uh, because I went to client side uh because then the clients had after doing the trial and error and test they wanted to structure themselves because this was not a fad hey hey surprise <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, and they needed to, to structure themselves um and so i ended up moving to craft foods and then structuring digital social e-commerce crm for the entire europe region across the five categories of, of products and this is where I started to fall in love with uh, with fast uh, fast moving consumer goods uh, because again this was in the day to day this are you know products you touch every day and it's very close to the behaviors of the people and their aspiration their daily aspirations so I was doing what I loved which was specific to you know marketing and digital in the context of something that was moving fast so you can imagine job creation moving fast specializing in an area that you like so it was exactly ticking all the boxes for me 
but I was preaching uh, people and evangelizing, this is word I never managed to, to say, um, uh, people that have been doing the same thing for the past 50 years. You know, no one has ever been fired for running a TV campaign. And now these days you had to tell them, well, you know, you're going to take 20% of your budget and you're going to shift all that stuff towards digital marketing, websites, CRM programs, social media was starting, you know, with the Facebooks and the likes. And you're going to invest in content and you're going to have to talk to much more people, much more diverse. You're going to need to personalize. You're going to need to version. And uh, they were looking at me like, okay, well, you know, no, <laughs> we're not going to do that. <laughs> it's going to be too complicated. So it was very interesting to kind of go and evangelize and influence. I really liked that uh, to make a shift and also to um, sort of push for my job not to exist anymore after a couple of years. Because this is in, in those type of roles, this is what you're trying to do. You're trying to make yourself useless. Because at the end of the day, this is not about you. This is about the practice that needs to be integrated within the business units at the core of the business so that they take it at the core of the business. And then they don't need a specialist or a consultant uh, to run it. Right. So so that was that was really fascinating to be so close to the core of the business to a strategy uh, and try and influence. And, and drive change. Um, you really love that. Part of it all, like you said, you like got in initially twenty three years ago, so you were like really ahead of the game. And as you said, you were in it when it was all a fad. So I think that's something super interesting. It was, yeah, it was the early days, indeed. So now I want to talk a bit about your career, like after now moving a bit away from marketing, still related to that, but I want to talk most recently about your achievements in your previous role as the CEO of Pharma Connect. And I actually want to tell everyone something super cool. And I actually mainly came across Michael because he was the CEO of Pharma Connect, which is a super amazing company, which of course we'll be talking about right now with Michael. But what he, Michael did, which is amazing, he like started a fund and he funded $9 million for the company. And that is amazing. That was the series A. So that's initial funding. And to be able to get $9 million in initial funding is an amazing achievement. And I think that's why I was really, really passionate. I was like, Michael, please get on the podcast so we can talk about this. But I want to talk now to Michael about how he got into Pharma Connect. So actually getting started, what did you do at Pharma Connect? What was Pharma Connect and how did you become CEO? So there are many questions. Um, <laughs> yes, sorry, take your time. <laughs> Just throwing them at you. So where did it start? Well, uh, you know, it always starts with with uh, with with a passion for something. So I was ending a job at a company called Combini, which was in the media, a pure player dedicated to millennials. So I spent three years at Combini. Uh, for you guys, it's comparable to Vice, for example. I'm, I'm quite sure you know Vice. So a company that builds and publish content for the youth. So exactly, you know, millennials, Gen Z, I mean, you guys. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was lost in translation for about three years 
even though I know a bit what's cooking and what's cool, I was lost in translation in that company for three years because average years old, average uh, uh, age of, of, of people, employees at, at company was 25. I was learning every day. You know, I was amazed by, you know, I was bringing obviously my expertise and experience in marketing and, and being the CMO. Uh, but that opened my eyes in terms of the deep aspiration of the youth uh, and what was the, the driver. So after, you know, uh doing advertising and then moving client side and then and then going into a, a pure player in the media i was having a pretty good understanding of what it means to build brands and to build services with those three different angles plus the layer of, of youth aspiration and then comes that opportunity to work at pharma connect which for me was a thought of a you know match in, in heaven so you've got like heavy tech stuff on the side because this is heavy tech stuff you know this is blockchain this is traceability this is supply chain this is you know a huge industry starting with coffee and, and cocoa um, and this is very tangible stuff right this is farmers this is coffee beans and cocoa beans and tablets of chocolates and uh, little cafe lattes and espressos and you know this is very tangible so you've got like something in zero in once and you've got something that you know is very concrete and has been there forever so and and on top of it you've got a purpose right so when you're starting to get old like me you know you're married you two kids and you're 43 um uh you have your midlife crisis and you're like you're having kind of like should, what impact I'm having, you know, what, what sort of legacy I'm going to have. And that was very interesting to match this passion for technology, passion for, um, you know, brands and fast-moving consumer goods with a purpose, which at PharmaConnect is to humanize consumption through technology. Um, and I've been fighting crazy to get that job because I felt like, you know, this is fabulous that I'm, I'm I'm, I'm dreaming about nothing than, than this. So I finally got the job. And then we the, the guys had started, you know, the work for, for funding our Series A. So I, I entered right at that moment. And uh, just to correct exactly, we were seeded before uh, by guys from the industry, uh, so uh, which is great. And we were looking for an additional acceleration. And they were bringing me to drive that, to close this, and to drive growth uh, in the product, in the commercial uh, setup, and, and in, in the growth of the, of the company. So I entered this phase, and then yes, we go straight into both looking at the product and then thinking, okay, the product is key, right? That's the, the number thing you need to do is to have a solid product. But then on the parallel, you see there's there's a lot of potential and there's a lot of, uh, of, of of interest from the industry on what you're building so let's go for additional funding because then you can you can accelerate so then we went there and we decided to go for the industry uh and and no banks no vcs really focus on on the industry and and we've been driving that and landed um after after six months i joined uh, a beautiful series a of like you said nine nine million uh us dollars which was which was a great achievement even though you know it's not only about the money 
it's okay. it's more about it's it's you know people oh, make that goes towards too yeah 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 no that's so so that was really uh really a great achievement that's so amazing obviously now you've moved on to greater things so what i want to discuss is a bit of what maybe you see for yourself now past your previous role as ceo at pharma connect yes well you know was it what i want is is to continue in technology and i believe technology can be a force for good um and and people need to be convinced of that um and it's not early days in many technologies. You know, I, I hear a lot of companies going for proof of concept, pilots, and and it's not fast enough. Uh, so for many challenges that we currently have, specifically in social and societal, environmental, technology is a fantastic enabler, if not accelerator of change, of positive change. Um, you know, if I take the example of PharmaConnect, you can't change, uh, you can't have an impact at the origin, uh, and I mean a measurable impact without without technology. You need technology in order to have a measurable and 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 quicker impact, and you can have it at at scale because it's you know it's now pretty much well um, uh, shared and and accessible. So. I want to be an actor of that change. I want to leverage technology as a, as a force for good. Uh, that's that's really the area where where I'm looking forward to continue to develop. Yeah, and um, and there's another aspect which you know I talked at the beginning, which is the the art uh, space. So I'm also a co-founder of an art gallery, which is uh, which is here in Nighttown, uh, where we bring local artists uh, to share and to create. Um, uh, I want to stay close to that uh, sphere as well. I believe culture, I believe arts as are key uh, in, in this world uh, and for people's uh, sake and mental health. Um, and, and I think we should protect this, even though there's not you know, always an immediate uh, business results and business impact and business model, but I think it's deeply needed uh, for us to 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 stay sane <laughs> um no, and, and working as, as a society so these are these are areas which i'm really passionate about no that's so amazing and so that actually makes a lot of sense now because you're kind of talking about an artist even in his frame like you know it can still be creative so i now see the little arty hints of you know your interest and passion for that but now I actually, just like as a bit of a final question before we wrap up today's podcast, I wanted to talk to you a bit about, obviously you've been really, you know, in the realm of business and the shift towards more social good. You mentioned before how when you were at um, Kimben? Kombini. Kombini, that's it. When you're at Kombini, you're working with lots of young people and through that you like really got a view for the youth. And I think, you know, we've particularly seen millennials and Gen Zers really push for this new change of business. So what's your opinions on now, like businesses and people, you know, wanting more from businesses, wanting different outcomes? Could you give us a bit of insight on that? Yeah, I think it's very important to realize that um, 
you need to create shared value. And uh, this is this is an, an expression that I've learned at Nestle and that Nestle use uh, a lot. And I'm not going to re reference uh, Nestle specifically as a good implementer of that concept, but I like the concept. And I think they're with their scale, if they realize this across their business, this is fantastic. This is deeply impactful. This is the number one food company in the world. I mean, they have 120 billion turnover Massive. with more than 300,000 employees. So I think for, for, for you guys, creating shared value is, is very important. You know, just looking at things from your angle and perspective and trying to make a difference on your side is, is not enough, right? It's much harder to deliver something together, uh, but it's much more meaningful and impactful, right? Uh, there's, there's an African saying that everyone's using all the time that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Um, so if you apply that, of course you need to go fast. So I, I always said, you know, in startups, and I was saying this to, to my shareholders and it was always a debate, but I was telling them, you know, we're, we're doing both a sprint and a marathon. And they were telling me, well, you know, Michael, I, you can't <laughs> sprint and marathon. I said, indeed, but that's what we have to do. Right? <laughs> we have to run fast a long time because, you know, turnover and then break even average break even in, in, in technologies between five to seven years. So even though you're raising funds, you're still going to cost your shareholders a lot of money before you break even. And eventually when you break even, the margins are high and, and it's going to be a good payoff. But yes, so don't go on your own. Uh, create shared value um, and, and, and drive for impact. Uh, yeah, drive for, for real impact, not, not your own little kind of self-esteem, uh, you know, PRable impact, uh, meaningful and, and tangible, measurable impact. And if it's shared, then this is where you, this is exponential. When it's shared, it's exponential. It's, yeah. That's, that's, that's really, fantastic. That's a really nice way, I think, to end the podcast episode. I think that's a really good message. Thank you so much, Michael, yet again thank for coming onto the podcast, and thank you everyone for watching and listening. I hope you've enjoyed and this episode and gained a lot of value from it. And yet again, make sure to share this with all your friends. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, to the Spotify. Tell your teachers you like it. And thank you everyone once again. Thank you, Michael, once again. And hopefully we see you all on our next episode. Thank you for having me.